same time. That's definitely uh, the way the world views our families these days. Is it just me or has Satan been a little busier this feast? Seems like uh, he's been really trying to attack quite a bit, but we have a mighty God and he uh, definitely pulls us through and he is not as, Satan's not as powerful as he really thinks he is. Uh, my son was saying to me, you know, Dad, instead of it being a split sermon, I think you should call it a mini-message. So, if my message runs a little short today, it's a mini-message, you know, according to my son. <laughs> okay, so, how many of us out here are fathers? Okay, quite a few of us. How many are mothers? Quite a few as well. All right, how about uh, sons? Daughters? That's that pretty much covers everybody, right? So <laughs> if I've left anybody out, let me know, okay? That's true, dogs as well. I don't think there's too, well, there are not too many dogs here today. Together we comprise all different parts of the family. And today I'm talking with everybody in the room, the importance of our family and how God wants us to interact with each other. As we know, we're in this life, learning to be a family so we can learn how to be a part of God's family. And like the slide showed, the world has a very different idea how family should be. The definition of marriage has been further altered by the Supreme Court's ruling this past summer allowing same-sex marriage and all the press regarding Bruce Jenner with the transgender transformations it's all further destroying the family as we know it. I didn't even know what transgender was until <laughs> probably like a year ago. But one of the biggest issues is the millions of unborn babies that are murdered every single year because of abortion in our country. Our country's going downhill fast. Everywhere you turn, the family is under attack. It is evident in our culture, in the movies, on TV, the books and magazines that we read, Satan is a, has a full-on attack on the family. It used to be more subtle, but as you can see, it's not subtle anymore. Please turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be boasters of themselves, Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, and from such people turn away. We're to be different. God says such people 
We need to turn away from them. For all you young people out here, that is why it's very careful we need to pick who we associate with and what you're listening to and what you're watching. It's very important for us adults as well of what we put into our minds. We need to guard our minds. Here's a warning in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. Please turn with me there to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rival revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. In this verse it says, do not be deceived. That is a direct warning. When we lean on our own understanding, it is easy for us to start compromising and becoming lukewarm. It is easy as, you may not think that we fall into any of those categories, but we may not realize that we could be on a slippery slope. Now turn with me to Luke 21, verse 36, to further expand upon this. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We need God's strength to pull us through. And as we know, our physical strength decreases, especially on the Day of Atonement. You may start out with plenty of energy in the beginning of the day, take care of your animals, etc. But over the course of just a few hours, some of us barely have enough energy to stay awake. There's a great analogy regarding trying to go through life relying on ourselves and our own strength versus spending time with God and relying on his strength to sustain us. How do you rely on his strength? The scripture gives us some hints. Watch and pray always. Watch not only what is going around us in the world, but examine yourself and maintain a relationship of Jesus and God the Father through prayer. So you can see where you may fall short and he can help us with the challenges of areas that we need help on and give us the strength necessary to face and endure or escape from whatever comes to pass. God wants us to be different. He called us to be a part of his family. He wants to show us how to become a part of the God family now. So let's examine the parent's role, the husband or the wife as part of the family. We have a big role in our family's lives. It's a huge responsibility at that. We are to love our mates just as Christ loved the church. He set the standard. Turn with me now to Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Husbands and wives, we're a team. We cannot be unequally yoked. We have to be a united front that respects each other and works together. Loving each other more than we love ourselves. Turn with me please to Proverbs 31.10 regarding the virtuous wife. The virtuous wife, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is above rubies and the heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Men, our women are amazing in their role, setting a great example and taking care of us, but taking care of our children as well. Not only do they help take care of us and take care of our children, plus they may have responsibilities working outside the home and keeping up with the household. That doesn't give us uh, that doesn't mean that we throw our stuff around and let them clean up after us as well. My wife added that part in. We need to make sure we clean up after ourselves and we don't want to add heavy burdens to them. They've got enough on their plates as it is. As it is. You know, society takes a jab at us fathers as well. Not that they take jabs at our wives, but what I was trying to say is they take jabs at us at, as the bumbling idiots on TV sitcoms, you know, the comic relief. And our kids are watching us to see how we handle life situations. Do we allow these stereotypes to influence us? Or do we go the extra mile to be a godly man by showing a Christ-like example instead of like the bumbling idiot that's on the sitcoms? Turn with me now to Colossians 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I've mentioned before in messages that I've given back in Tulsa that uh, I tend to tease my kids a little too much and I probably get more joy out of it than I should. <laughs> but um, we need to know a proper balance because my kids are like, Dad, leave me alone, quit doing that. And we need to know when to be serious. Uh, we need to guide our families to strong biblical guidelines and we cannot compromise or we could lose the, our guidance over them and we we could lose our respect for us like when my son tells me dad i'm not in the mood you know I, I do back off but i need to learn when it's appropriate to be teasing him and joking with him because i know that there's times where he just wants to be serious and i think i went through the same thing with my dad my dad like come on dad and so it's one of those things probably a generational thing i need to work on but being a parent also requires making some tough choices as well. I have an article here I'd like to read. It's uh, Focus on the Family. Uh, James Dobson is the one that has this website. And the article is called Be the Dad. And it's by Carrie Casey. During our end of season football banquet my senior year in high school, an assistant coach from a big university approached me to tell me that they wanted me to play at their university. I wondered about his comment because I knew I hadn't qualified academically. Then the coach winked at me and said, 
Don't worry, we got it under control. I was ready to go along with whatever the coach had in mind until I started. I was startled by my father's voice behind me. He said, no, he said, Kerry didn't qualify. He'll be going to junior college. I was upset with my pop at the moment, but through the years I've seen his wisdom and his commitment to integrity on that night and on many other occasions, it has shaped me and saved me from a lot of trouble. And now I'm a father. My dad's example has given me the presence of mind and the courage to step in when I have seen my children moving in a direction that I know is foolish or possibly dangerous. Dads, do you have the courage to pull your children back from making a poor decision? I'm grateful that my dad did. As we endeavor to raise virtuous, God-fearing children, our modeling may be the most important factor in our influence. Through all the ups and downs of life, our kids are watching us. Do we carry ourselves with poise and dignity? Do we demonstrate godly character amid everyday challenges? Do we compromise what we believe to gain an edge or for convenience? Our example is very powerful and it's a part of our fathering. The like my dad demonstrated that day at the banquet, sometimes training our children to have integrity calls for a more direct approach. And then this next part is entitled Confronting the Tough Issues. This is a separate uh, situation. One morning years ago while I was driving my children to meet the school bus, I heard my daughters in the backseat going on about which designer labels were cool and who was wearing what at school. This was during a time when people were being killed for their shoes and jackets. As I listened to my kids talking, my mind was churning. Had they lost their minds? How could they let themselves be so influenced by the materialistic attitudes of others? The influence of our culture can sneak up on us and on our children. We may not notice it from day to day, but then we have to wake up, experience like I did that day in the car. In a moment of what I believe was righteous anger, I stopped the car. I turned it around and said, we're going back home, correcting potentially harmful attitudes or values sometimes calls for a direct approach. We returned to the house and discussed some of the dangers that kids get into when they aren't careful. And I read from Proverbs 4, verse 23, about the importance of guarding our hearts. My daughters were a little bit shocked, so they listened carefully. And Kerry Casey is the CEO of the National Center for Fathering. He's author of Championship Father, and host of the daily three-minute program, Today's Father. Okay, so like the article said, we have to be engaged in our kids' lives and in our family's life. And actively helping our kids to make right choices and setting an example for them. I remember several times in my life where my father would step in and just like the author of the article said, I didn't like it at the moment. But looking back, I'm very appreciative that my father did step in because he helped me with a lot of heartache that I could have gone through in making right choices. And you know, a lot of times, even when we're doing our best, we need God to help pull us through. I'm going to give you an example of a situation of God pulling us through. My son and I, we went to Silver Dollar City on Sunday. My son has a severe peanut allergy and I carry an EpiPen. My wife has an EpiPen, we carry it wherever we go because you just never know what could happen. 
But I didn't want to carry around his pack with all his stuff in it because he's got extra things besides that EpiPen. So I'll just put it in my pocket. It'll be all right. It'll be safe. So uh, that's leaning on my own understanding. But we get to the park and Samuel's like, let's go on Thunderation. That's one of the roller coasters. And I had it in my pocket. And it was great. We had a fun time. And about an hour later, we thought, hey, let's sit down and have some lunch. So I'm kind of reaching around in my pocket. EpiPen's gone. Like, oh, where could this thing be? And I'd start to kind of panic a little bit, but I prayed about it, and I just said, well, Samuel, let's go ask a security guard or something. Let's figure out where this thing could be. It's got to be somewhere in the park. And I just had the thought, go to Thunderation, the first ride I was on. But I thought, oh, it's not there, because it was in my pocket. It's nice and secure. It wouldn't have fallen out. So we went over to the Thunderation ride. I went up to the exit where the lady was, and I said, did you guys find an EpiPen? I mean, I expected her to say no. We don't have it. But... She's like, yeah, we found an EpiPen. It's right here. Actually, it's not right here. They took it over to the first aid. She said, typically, we don't hold uh, things here. Well, actually, we hold the stuff here, but this is an important deal, so we took it over to first aid. So I went over to first aid, grabbed it, and you know, told God, thank you. Appreciated the fact that he had found it. And a little bit later in the day, we went back to that ride, and I asked the girl, I said, where did you find this EpiPen at? And she says, well, actually, it was in your seat, but it rode the ride like two times. <laughs> that should have flown out. It was a roller coaster. And she, she was amazed as well. She's like, I'm surprised that thing was still there. She said, it just sat right there. And I asked the people that were getting out, I, said, I asked them, was that yours? And they said, no, it's not ours. So other people had ridden a ride. It was just sitting there, just having fun, I guess, on the ride, as EpiPens do. But... Um, my point is, though, that I did my part, but God pulls us through. Even when we're lacking, he, he made that pen be, that pen, was, that should, pen shouldn't have been there. I really believe that God protected his pen, made sure that it was there, because we needed to have that. And God protects us as we're protecting our families. He helps us. He pulls us through. We can't do it without his help. So now let's talk about the sons and the daughters role. Please turn with me to Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the loom is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. To all the young people in the audience, including my own kids, young adults, I don't think like being called kids, you're very important to God. You are a blessing to your parents as well, to God and our parents in this congregation. You're the future of the church. You're future kings and priests in God's kingdom also. Don't take lightly your role in the family. Please turn with me now to Proverbs 31, 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. As parents, if we're doing our jobs right, this is a great and direct example of the results of the fruits of our labor. Children and young adults, as a result of the obedience as well, God has a promise of a blessing to you for honoring and, and um, 
honoring your mother and father. In fact, let's go to Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's a direct promise from God. He wants you to have a joy-filled long life. And as your role in the family, doing your part, God promises you will have a long life. And it's a direct promise from Him. It's a, it's a commandment with a promise. You know, and a family needs to be a soft place to be able to fall. A place of nurturing, a place of comfort, a place to add to our joy banks not to steal from them. So we need to, as a family, work together to help fill those joy banks with great memories and working together as a family, not backbiting. And um, My sister took this from me, or Samuel, come bring this back, or just bickering and fighting back and forth. We need to work together and, and help each other. We have to learn to get along and to forgive our own families, because how can we expect to be able to function as a church family if we don't even get along as with our biological siblings. Now that we've gotten, gone over everyone's individual role in the family, let's examine our role in the church family, preparing to be in God's family. Remember, we are in training and we're learning how to be a part of God's family and to pass instruction throughout the millennium to help others with what we know. <laughs> As we're here at the feast, think about how we can help make somebody else's feast even better. In fact, to make it the best ever. It could be as simple as a kind word that is said, or just listening to somebody, getting, giving them a water, you know, something very simple. It could be anything. Please turn with me now to Romans 12, verse 10 to 13. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Have lots of zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Spirit, Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Prayer is definitely a great place to start. Everybody can do that. Everybody can get down on their knees and pray for each other. Every week, we notice the prayer lists are getting longer and longer. A lot of people are out there suffering and having lots of ailments. Fervor, fervently praying for one another is one of the best ways that we can help our brothers and sisters in Christ. And regarding the second part of this verse, some ways in which we can contribute to the needs of the saints to show hospitality is by volunteering and helping. At this feast, we have great volunteers. We have our lunch and dinner volunteers that help out every single day, setting everything up, putting food together for us. We have Rick and Brian that work back in the, the sound and audio and video area and all the behind scenes things that they do. We have our Sabbath school teachers that help out in putting together messages every single day. Us as speakers, we have typically one message. They're doing a message for the kids every day. And then we have Dale and Susan, Ian, putting tons of hours into helping our site and it's greatly, greatly appreciated. We also have Art Williams as our pianist, dedicated to the cause as well. At this time, let's give all these guys a round of applause just for all their help.
I know we typically do that later on in the feast, but I really think that it's a good thing to recognize everybody's efforts because we are a family. We all have to do our part to work together to help each other. It is all about being courteous to one another. Young people, if you see a chance to help out, do so. You know, hold the door open for somebody. Uh, take that opportunity. We all need to help out where we can. Please turn with me now to Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Families help each other. We need to encourage one another because the days are evil. We need to help each other from our own, excuse me, we need to help encourage one another because the days are evil and we need to help from, uh, to pull each other through, to help each other. Uh, speaking of that, I have a lady friend at my work, she's my coworker, and her mother's dying right now. And she also has a granddaughter that has some heart health issues. And something I thought we could do as a group to help her out, um, they collect the top tabs on uh, pop cans and we have a lot of pop cans this year at the feast and I didn't talk to Dell about this I hope he's okay with this but I was thinking if you didn't mind maybe when you're eating tonight or you have a pop just pull that tab off we can throw it in a bin I think as a church we could help her out that's a way of our family helping other people as well and they take those and they give them to the Ronald McDonald house which helped her granddaughter who had some health issues and I thought that would be a great way to show our service uh, to somebody else as well, to show what we can do to help others also. Um, Brandon, I'm not sure where he's at. He's got his hand cut open, so he might want to have Brand Mandy help him because I think I don't want to get hurt. And the kids probably shouldn't mess with the cans as well, but maybe the adults could do this. Because I'd hate that somebody get hurt. And Brandon's already gotten hurt enough, so I don't want to see him get hurt some more. Please turn to Matthew 12, verse 49 and 50 as well for our closing scripture. And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We are doing God's will now by learning how to act with each other because we want to be a part of God's family. Christ set the ultimate example as our role model, as our elder brother. He gave up his life for us. It's all about love and forgiveness. At this time, I'd like to show a little video clip that was recorded here during the feast. And as you watch it, you understand what it's all about. But this is what it's all about. As you watch this video, you'll understand. But that is why we're here, and these are the future kings and priests in our kingdom that you'll see in this video. And we're supposed to be like children. God wants us to be childlike. So watch with these kids as they're in this video, because that's what it's really all about, is we're to be childlike. God wants us to have the heart of a child, and we want to definitely be there in the kingdom. And that's what it's all about. And regarding the slideshow you watched before, don't follow the world's idea of how a family should be, but follow the idea of this video you're going to watch.